Hello and thank you so much for downloading episode 401 of the Speak Life podcast. My name is Thomas Thorogood. I work at Speak Life. And today, Nate Morganlock and Paul Feasy are talking about Mother's Day or Mothering Sunday. We'll be talking about those names in the episode. So enjoy the episode and I will catch you later. Well, hello and welcome to The Speakeasy. My name is Paul Feasy and today I am joined by... Nate Morgan-Lock. Hello, how are you doing? I'm alright. I'm joining you from, well, this seat, obviously, <laughs> but I've just come back from Norfolk. 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 Any particular part of Norfolk? Well, I Maybe was... south, <laughs> east <laughs> or north? But I was in, I was in Norwich uh, over this weekend with so- summer interns and we were doing a passion for life kind of mission weekend and uh yeah it was it was loads of fun but quite kind of tiring i can imagine what kind of things you get up to then what kind of things were they doing well we had a workers lunch we had a cream tea we had a live musical evening thing on the thursday we had a men's breakfast classic forget those we had a school assembly a student lunch bar and a youth event and then some inflatable fun for the kids on Saturday morning and then a film and faith or film and Christianity thing on Saturday evening and then two Sunday sermons on Sunday morning. And did you speak at all of those? I did. Wow. I said words, they came out of my mouth (laughs) and I tried as hard as possible to speak life rather than... um, what I was sort of feeling a bit tired at various points. But it was loads of fun and we just... And the Lord sustained us through it. So if anyone was, if any of our great audience were praying for us uh, through that, um, thank you very much. We, it, it went very well. Mm, good, good, good. Yeah. And uh, what's a, do you say workers' lunch? What's the, is it, like is a, that just for general, what does that mean? Workers' lunch does sound a bit like a sort of communist or socialist thing. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> a workers' yeah. lunch. No, it was just like a kind of... You know, people who've got time in their work day to come from the office and listen to a talk and bring someone along, like a eat, work colleague or someone. Eat, bring a work colleague, eat a bag of Walker's crisps, listen to a short talk. Brilliant. That was the thing. So um, yeah, it was it was really good. Now the, the the funny thing with it with it was that I had been asked to do a little prom- promotional video to kind of welcome people to the mission, like weeks in advance Mm -hmm. and having only been to Norwich once and not really knowing much about it I thought oh the only link I have with Norwich in terms of in my head is that I think about Steve Coogan doing his Alan Partridge thing and so we made this video and um yeah I I I've been watching a bit too much Partridge so I had this very Partridge kind of vibe which wasn't wasn't the best. <laughs> knowing you, the people of Norwich, knowing me, Nate Morganlock. Yeah, that was it. But it was really good, yeah. And uh, Sorry Chapel Norwich were um, were sort of hosting our team mostly. So um, yeah, they were they were great. And uh, it was there with you were there with Andy Reese, is that right? That's right. Yeah, he's actually online. He says you were superb. Oh, Reese, how do you do, brother? Yeah, it was a really good time, and um, yeah, I had a. a a barrel of laughs and uh yeah we just got to speak to lots of people and have some really good conversation and 
and talk about Jesus. So, yeah. Great. Sounds really good. Well, we'll keep on uh, praying for the follow-up on all that. Yeah. Um, Guys, good to have you on board with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Good to see people kind of uh, joining us and commenting there. Do chip in on the comments. Let us know you're there. Mm -hmm. Say hi. And do chip in as we discuss various bits over this. You may have seen the title today, Mothering Sunday versus Mother's Day. Um, So yesterday, uh, at least here in the UK, Mm -hmm. it was Mothering Sunday. Do you get up to anything for Mothering Sunday? Well, obviously, I was in Norwich. I was away from my course, both yes. my mother and the mother of my children because um, they were in different parts of the country. So I basically av- avoided all the responsibilities of of making a breakfast and taking it to my wife in bed and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but they did in the service, which, you know, is pretty standard practice, I think, for a lot of churches in the UK, is that they handed out daffodils or yep. a bouquet of, a small bouquet flowers. of flowers to mothers and uh, other women within the church at a certain point in the service, and then sort of prayed for people in that context. Mm. Did is that what happened at your church? Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, same kind of thing every year. There's always yeah. a kind of Everyone, every lady gets some flowers, yeah. regardless of whether they're a mother or not. Yeah. At the end of the day. And Thomas, did you you were you all souls yesterday? Were you? There? Yeah, I was actually. And did they also do the daffodils thing as well? There were a selection of daffodils in little foil. Yeah. Holders. Nice. Classic. I think the the men actually prepared them on saturday morning okay. and then went for a fry up afterwards so <laughs> their men had a breakfast that's what men do men eat breakfasts that's it in the evangelical world but yeah so yeah the and and it made me think oh there's this thing called mothering sunday mm-hmm. or in the uk obviously lots of people call it mother's day as well but it's a different date than mother's day in the us right so I was thinking, oh, we should do some research on this and find out where they came from, what the origin of these things is. Is it just another, you know, hallmark holiday? Well, yeah. Well, not. Is that because that. Because oh, that's, thoughts? I'll be honest, that's been my kind of opinion. It's been like, it's quite yeah. nice to do Mother's Day, yeah. Father's Day things, you know, those yeah. kind of bits and bobs. Yeah. But I've always thought, well, you know, Mother's Day, is, isn't it just like, it's a thing hallmark have come up with to yeah. sell some more cards? And why are we, as yeah. a church, putting it into our church calendar yeah. you know because i'm quite cynical like that yeah. so well let's have a little think about have you got something to read from that or shall i, I can well just... i've got a, i mean we've got a few bits okay you, why don't you can so chip in basically what i really discovered was that mothering sunday is the fourth sunday of lent every year so it's 21 days before christmas uh, before christmas before <laughs> easter yep and uh what did I say? Twenty-one Sundays. I can't even. <laughs> I don't even know. Speak <laughs> properly. I'm so tired. Um, it was twenty-one days before Easter, right? Because it's the fourth Sunday of Lent, and it's the same one every time. And the reason for that is because there was in the um, in in the Middle Ages they would have a Laterere Sunday, right? Which was like this break in lent where you could like eat and feast rather than fast and particularly simnel cake it comes out of that i'm sure you're familiar with simnel cake <sighs> can't move a simnel cake in my house <laughs> so it's like two layers with marzipan and stuff on the top that's supposed to represent the uh the 11 the 11, 11 disciples because it's 12 minus, minus judas, judas right yep. 
So the Simnel cake is this kind of part of this kind of liturgical calendar. But the reason why it was considered to be Mothering Sunday was because the reading for that week, the fourth week of Lent, was Isaiah 66.10, which begins um, by invite. Uh, it's inviting Jerusalem to um, to rejoice because the Lord is coming and to gather in Jerusalem and to basically find sort of comfort and and security in the mother city, the holy city. Yep. And so that's then taken to be representative of the mother church. And so one of the practices that used to happen, I think, in the in the 16th century... Yeah, middle age, yeah, that kind of time. ...was that uh, household servants would be, or slaves, or, or whatever they were, but people were free to go and visit their mother church, the church in which they were baptized, on that Sunday in the middle of Lent. And then they could obviously visit their, their own mums as well. Yep. And it was kind of this sort of bit of respite in the Lenten fast. Mm. So that was the the historic origin of it. But then it sort of died away and people didn't do it for a Just long went time. Went away until... Yep, why did it come back? It came back as a response to, this is amazing, a response to a lady in the US called, I think she was called, what's her name? Anna uh, Anna Jarvis. Anna Jarvis. From Philadelphia. From Philadelphia. In Born 1908, raised. she decided that there ought to be a day of the year that was a Mother's Day, mm. right? This is in not any way connected to... Just for actual mothers. For actual mothers, earthly mothers, and that should be celebrated. And she did this campaign to make it a thing. And then President of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, yep. made it a thing in 1914. And it started out this annual celebration of Mother's Day. So the U.S. start doing this thing, which isn't connected to the sort of medieval practice of... of Just a coincidence, Latterary, basically. Right. And then a lady named Constance Adelaide Smith. Yep. She thinks it would be a good idea to revive the practice of mothering sunday and so she writes this pamphlet and starts this whole kind of campaign to get churches around the country to to celebrate mothering sunday and to focus on the church being kind of the mother church in which we all find our kind of comfort and and in instruction and care so she does this thing and it's so wildly successful that today, or sorry, yesterday, we were all celebrating Mothering Sunday without really knowing why we were doing it. Yeah. And so I was just kind of slightly baffled and bemused. The greatest irony, okay, there's a great irony in this. <laughs> so the American lady who started out from Philadelphia in 1908, she then got so upset because it became really commercialized in the U.S., <laughs> she started a counter campaign to get rid of Mother's Day because she said now people are being, you know, cheap and th lazy and thoughtless and just buying a card for their mum. And it's a complete waste of time. So she then, like, ultimately, I think she was like arrested. She was like, you know, yeah, yeah, I think she was. She was almost imprisoned for trying to stop this Mother's Day 
kind of express train that was running roughshod over American culture. So we've basically got these two types of mothering events then. There's Mothering yeah. Sunday, which is yeah. the church which is calendar a, event yeah, from yeah, yeah. Middle Ages. And it's, it, it's a movable feast because obviously it's connected to... Yeah, it moves always on the yeah, yeah. What was it, fourth Sunday, Sunday of Lent. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Mother's Day, which yeah. came out of the US. But this lady said, oh, that's... I'm going to try and bring back yeah. the 16th so, century type yeah, meaning Constance in the UK here. Adelaide Smith. Yeah. So that's kind of got it back into circulation here yeah. in the UK. And it, there was partly a response to the commercialization of it as well. Yeah. But yet, the, another the, I suppose the irony is, although we do it now because of that, yes. we're kind of back in the same spot, aren't we? Yeah. So it, most people will say Mother's Day rather than Mothering Sunday. Yeah. Even, even very different. Even though they have these different kind of origins. So it doesn't really have, like now, the, what we do on Mother's Day, or what we might call Mothering Sunday, yeah. it doesn't really bear any resemblance to the 16th century kind not of calendar really, thing at no. all. Because we don't even really, read, well, didn't even know about it, yeah. quite frankly. I was not aware. What, and that's because, I suppose, what we're focused on now is the earthly mothers like the individual mothers that people have or mm. haven't got yeah and the desire to be a mother or the struggle of being a mother or, or, or whatever it is and the focus then is this kind of horizontal you know human level whereas the original practice had this kind of theological dimension to it it was a kind of vertical you know gather to um the kind of spiritual mother which is the church mm. to find all the things that you kind of would get in your kind of, or you ought to get from your physical mother. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Cause I guess most of what we do in our churches on mother's day, or I, don't, I never know what to call it now anymore yeah. on mothering Sunday. Yeah. doesn't really look much different to what the rest of the world is doing. What secular yeah. society is doing. Yeah. Apart from we might try and hang a bit of a theological point on yeah. mothers and, somehow and yeah and we we probably think of it in terms of how do you you know use it as an outreach opportunity yep right it's Definitely, a kind of yeah, yeah. oh let's take every opportunity to share the gospel but then the is the gospel that we're sharing actually or is it organically tied to the concept of mothering sunday mm. And so are we welcoming people into the church as mother through their brother, Christ, who's kind of the, their, our access point to the church? Or are we kind of just saying something about, you know, um, how we really love our mums and, mm. you know, we want to celebrate them and we're aware that other people find Mothering Sunday difficult because their own experiences have been painful or traumatic or or stressful um and so, but it just sort of feels like it's one of those things that everyone does it because well you've got to do it haven't you you, you can't it. ignore yeah. it but then if you don't think it through from its kind of origin like from the ground up then you kind of you just do it as a bit in the service and then just move on mm -hmm. and do something else so do you think um, um do you think the reason we we don't do it like we don't go back to the mothering sunday tradition yeah is, well I mean, some of us probably just don't know what it yeah. is because i yeah. certainly wasn't aware of it until today yeah um 
but also do we feel like the idea of it just sounds a bit kind of out there like mother naturey kind of yeah you know yeah. that kind of thing it feels quite high church maybe and maybe yeah. in our circles where we're like we're all about the bible people yeah you know it might feel a bit odd like this well thing. i think it does but then you sort of want to say well if if we we're not gonna kind of embrace the weird right if we're not gonna say oh there's this spiritual reality that we're kind of aware of and we just want to do, you know, we're a, you know, just a Bible church. And so we just do things that we can find explicitly kind of commanded in in the Bible. Then why are a load of those churches still doing a Mother Day bit Thing anyway. segment? Sure, yeah, yeah. But not kind of, kind of thinking through. So in that way, I, I suppose... It's an invitation to kind of be all in and say, oh, no, this is actually a thing that you can have a brilliant gospel-oriented conversation about the joy of being in the church mm. and of, you know, you, it's connected to um, the, the the historic practices it's connected to a kind of national nationwide event rather than it being simply well did you have a good experience of motherhood or not or of 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 do you have a good relationship with your own individual mother or not mm -hmm. and i think that means because that's the focus we end up spending the whole time kind of treading on eggshells yeah. awkwardly when we're not really going to address it in more depth within the service. And so we just have this potentially catastrophically <laughs> awkward bit where children aren't sure which people are supposed to get the flowers and, and, uh, you know, and it just becomes very um, almost odd and, and the practicalities of it, right? And you've got to cut, cut all these daffodils or you've got to prepare all these simnel cakes or whatever. I don't know. Maybe people aren't doing that anymore. <laughs> um, maybe the revival of Bake Off or is going to, well, maybe Bake Off will have caused a so revival. It wasn't the simnel cake. cake. That Who's go baked a simnel cake? I want someone to tell us they baked Didn't a simnel cake. Didn't the simnel cake go back to the original tradition, though? Yeah, yeah. So, so I so doubt anyone is doing of, that at the moment. Yeah. So maybe we need some simnel cakes. Maybe, maybe we, we do. Need. Maybe so, we should have had one. This is all in preparation because we're a day late. <laughs> Well, we're not a day late. We're 364 days early That's for this exactly one. So, right. you know, ministers, yeah. get your notepad out because yeah. this is the time to get prepping. As, Go on. I was going to say, I think, so this morning, if you'd asked me about Mother's Day in church, I'd have been like, oh, it's just, it's just you know, you do it, but it's just a thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. It's cynical me. But I think I'm quite sold on it now. Yeah. Like having heard what it was originally about. Yeah. But I suppose my question is, given that most churches just do a kind of yeah. slight, do like a secular thing with a bit of a Christian gloss on the top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what would it look like for us to actually do yeah. Mothering Sunday yes. as it's supposed to be? Well, I, we are sort of, despite being, you know, oh, we're all groovy and we do YouTube live shows and at Speak Life and we're kind of all about the media and cameras <laughs> and being cool and stuff. But we keep on like going back to these practices. Like we talked about chalking the door for Epiphany. <laughs> like we're becoming so liturgical. <laughs> it's insane. But yeah, I I think and what one of the things that's interesting 
Obviously, Glenn, Glenn's not here this evening. He's in uh, the Wirral doing um, uh, a Passion for Life mission week there. Um, so it'd be great if you could be praying for him um, as he's doing that this week. But, um, in fact, he's outdone me. I did 14 talks in four days. He's doing, I think, 16 in five. So he's going to be... One-upmanship there. Lost. Never <laughs> trying to... You know. But, um, yeah, the... What one of the videos that people I think have appreciated so much from Glenn was the um, the Halloween trick or treat video, right? Yeah, yeah. And in in a way, we're kind of doing that. We're saying let's look at this thing that people just go, oh, it's Mother Mother's Day, and the first thought has got to be, have you phoned your mom or have you arranged to have flowers delivered or, or whatever it is, rather than thinking maybe there's some deeper meaning and significance and theological reflection that could come as a result of studying the history of this and so maybe in the next 364 days we should make a some sort of viral video about mothering sunday so because so, yeah. when we talked about this earlier you talked a bit about <clears throat> peter pan oh yes so how yeah. do we how do you get from yeah. mothering sunday to peter right. pan so um this came up um, when I was doing a popcorn parenting episode with James Carey, uh, which is a podcast about movies, mythology, and the Messiah, or uh, family films and faith in Jesus. And so we're taking these classic kind of films that you watch with your kids and trying to kind of think through the story, think through the mythology of it, think through what's going on, what's the message, and all that stuff. And Peter Pan is just a, a an incredibly kind of sticky film because it's got all these kind of big concepts in it you know the boy who never grew up neverland captain hook a crocodile that swallowed a, a an alarm clock um, mermaids and 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 native american indians like there's so much going on and when we were looking at this um uh the story i was seeing that really wendy is the main character not right. Peter. Okay. And this and Peter Pan is a story about Wendy growing up. At the start of the film she's told she needs to leave the nursery and move into her own room and she says she doesn't want to. At the end of the film she's told you can stay in the nursery if you like, but she says no actually I'd like to move into my own room. So it's a coming of age story about Wendy growing up. Uh, from sort of girlhood into womanhood now what's really interesting with the way that wendy does that is that peter as the boy who never grows up is looking for a mother and so he asks wendy if she'll come with him along with uh, uh john and michael to neverland so that wendy can be the mother of the lost boys mm. i hope this everyone's paying attention so far but anyway <laughs> What the the key thing that J. M. Barry puts into the story that uh, he wants Wendy, uh, he, Peter wants Wendy to do for him, is to reattach his shadow. And so you look at that and you're like, this is the most, this is like a properly bonkers idea that someone could be disconnected from their own shadow. It's like not even possible, right? It couldn't happen. And yet, there's something really kind of profound about this idea of being reattached and wendy as mother reattaching the shadow mm. peter peter with the shadow so 
at the time in which Jay and Barry's writing this, which is 1911, yep. um, is also the same time that Anna Jarvis is doing Mother's Day in the US and Constantine Adelaide Smith is doing Mothering Sunday, the revival of Mothering Sunday in the UK. So the And the suffragette movement is like all going on sort of uh, bef- just before the First World War and stuff as well. So you've got these these ideas of motherhood which are kind of going around and i was starting to think well how does if if theologically mothers are a kind of um lived out example of what the church will be how does wendy's actions towards peter how do they does that reflect or represent the the way the church relates to us. So I was thinking, well, think about the shadow. Try and think. And this is where I'm probably I'm going off the deep end, but if you call yourself a reformed mythologist, you're allowed to. So how is the, the, the image of the shadow used in Scripture? And I think there are three main ways. The first one is the idea of a shadow being the thing that blocks out the light. So it's to do with darkness. Mm -hmm. So the valley of the shadow of death. So it's to do with darkness and sickness and sin and death. And the church is the place in which you come to terms with your own sin, sickness, and mortality. Right? People who don't understand their own shadow, their own darkness are people who are not kind of fully aware of who they are. Mm -hmm. And the church has this role to teach people who they are, and part of that is to teach them the dark side of themselves, their sinful nature, and and to kind of allow them to see how they can be forgiven their sin. So that's the first one. The second one is that a shadow is, well, more properly it would be called a shade, because you need to find shade from the heat or you need to kind of you know um i had you in the shadow of my wing so it's a Mm. kind of protective kind of place of respite place of of refuge and the church should be that too the church should be the place where you come on a sunday and you find refuge you find safety you find comfort rest from all the stuff that's going on around and the third one is the idea of a shadow or type and so, as Hebrews talks about, these things were a shadow of what was to come, in which case we're thinking about a shadow as a sort of silhouette or a pattern or a shape. And obviously the scriptures are showing us shadows of the, the gospel, the work mm. of Jesus. And um, that's the work of the church too, to to show you the pattern of Christ in all these other places. Yeah. So that's my... L- Fairly long-winded, well, for what we normally would say on this podcast, on uh, on the speakeasy. But I think, well, the things all line up in my head. Yeah, yeah. It all connects together. Church as mother, Wendy growing up, reattaching the shadow. The shadow is in these three concepts. Yeah. I'm selling it. I don't know if anyone's going to buy it. But well, I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you'd come to me on Friday and said, yeah. could you preach on Sunday morning for Mother's yeah. Day? I'd have been like, oh, no. Like, yeah. I'm going to have to do some sort of yeah. thing, you know, aren't oh, mums lovely and yada, 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 you know, just <laughs> yeah. and then, oh, and Jesus, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Now I'd be like, great, we can talk about okay. shadow. Yeah? yeah, I'd be all up for that. Oh, I'm like, if, how theologically rich is that in comparison to just kind of trying to hang a, yeah. hang it on a hook yeah. somewhere, you know? And, I, and it, yeah, it, it properly is. It, and it's trying to think through the the sort of the fully orbed understanding of the things that we find in life and to say what are the spiritual realities that are behind the things that we engage with. Mm. And more often than not we probably had too kind of shallow an engagement with 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 the idea um and, and in a way none of that kind of more theological or more abstract stuff is meant in any way to kind of take the place of or replace the careful pastoral work of helping people with the struggle of being a mum or the struggle of relating to a mum who can who's difficult or all that sort of stuff. So mm. you can do both and and presumably if someone's sense of trauma about the issues around Mother's Day is so significant that we feel the need to walk on eggshells not to offend anyone, then surely it's worth thinking about at more depth yep. than simply just saying we'll comment on this gives a bouquet of flowers and and, and sort of try not to upset people. Yeah. Um, it's like go further into it rather than just kind of... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hang, uh, you know. It's interesting, you know, think about that. And obviously with the Mothering Sunday, originally there was that kind of physical... People were going to a different place. Yeah. And yeah. then you talk about the chalking of the door type thing. Right, um, yeah. Glenn's stuff about Halloween where there was this kind of and almost like an acted drama yeah, going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. And our our kind of wing of the church is very much, you know, because yeah. we think of that as kind of like ritual. Yeah. And we think of when we think of ritual, we base even if we just say ritual, we t- we kind of mean empty ritual yeah, in yeah, our head. Yeah. But I wonder where there is there is something to go back to some mm. of these things, these enactments, yeah. physical enactments. I'm not saying we all have to get up and go to our baptismal yeah, yeah, church, yeah, but. Yeah. There maybe there maybe there is something in that. Maybe yeah. maybe the answer to Halloween isn't to just do a light party, but maybe it is to lean yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. into some of those mm. more enacted things, yeah. um, because it is so dramatic mm. and people go, "What's going on here?" Yeah. Rather than just here's yeah. the kind of Halloween light yeah. version over there, and, Diet and, Coke version. And when we usually when we're trying to engage young people or children, we're we're constantly coming up with craft activities or some kind of game which is supposed to illustrate the teaching point, which is mm, part of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. If you want to do, you know, Lectio Continua and you want to teach from verse one of a book through to the end of the book, then that's a different way of teaching than following a liturgical calendar or something. But what one of the nice things about these kind of more you know traditional practices is that they come with various ways for you to engage and as as um people who are who are inescapably liturgical we are going to invent these kind of liturgies and practices and rituals for ourselves anyway yeah um, I was always I was thinking about that, like, um, oh, what's the one? Like when people do a tequila slammer, right? So the idea of lime 
and and salt and tequila right yeah yeah needing to be consumed together in some kind of special order mm. and like that this is like this corporate moment of celebration and 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 partying and i'm like this is like one of the most ritualistic yeah. things i can imagine like okay and then you do the lime and it's like wow that's incredible that that it's you can't escape it you just yeah, can't yeah. stop yeah 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 well fascinating stuff i think um yeah i'd be interested to see what people think of it in the yeah. comments in a moment and uh, but you know if you're if you're planning for next year mm. there you go hopefully that's given you some stuff to think about and we've given you plenty of heads up on it so you can't complain <laughs> um so <laughs> so we'll have a look at some of the bits you've been saying in a moment um and we'll also dive into the mailbag This conversation went out live on our YouTube channel. You can watch it and all our other conversations at youtube.com forward slash Speak Life Media. We're on the other social media platforms. Just search for Speak Life UK. That will keep you posted. And why not join us when we next go live? You can also email comments and questions to info at speaklife.org.uk. Speak Life is supported entirely by the generosity of people like you, especially through your prayers. If you'd like to contribute financially, regular or one-off donations are much appreciated and you can do that at speaklife.org.uk forward slash give. If you're a regular giver, you can request access to our Discord server where you can join us for more conversation and exclusive behind-the-scenes content. Let's get back to the podcast. Uh, so, uh, one of the things we were going to mention is sitting on that shelf behind you, actually, oh, yes. isn't it? Because we said Glenn isn't here, but we do have something that we've... We haven't even mentioned the fact that we've got shelves. I don't, well, I, I did see that it was popping up in the comments a little bit. So I'm not running the comments okay. tonight, so okay. I don't want to jump in there okay. too early. But uh, So, over here, I'm physically holding a copy of Glenn's new book. And it is called The Air We Breathe. How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. So here it is, physical copy. He was uh, showing pictures of it on, on Twitter, I think, uh, yeah, before yeah. the weekend. But look, it's got these this sort of groovy, Thomas called it a holy book. Um, <laughs> it's not like the other books yeah, he's written. But this it's great. No, no, and it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're, he's really, really pleased with it, and uh, it, it is available in June. It will be actually available for people to buy. Yeah. But I think you could go onto the Good Book Company uh, website, and you could probably pre-order a copy. Yeah, yeah. I should I, know that, shouldn't I? We probably should know but that. I but uh, know. no, I'm not. Quite, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. Certainly, I know because uh, a few people have said I know in comments over the few weeks about our general conversations, they could feel. Tom Holland hanging over it because oh, of course yes. a lot of what comes from the specter of, the Tom, specter of Holland, Tom Holland a um, sacral historian who's <laughs> just above us now um, <laughs> yeah so much of that came came from his you know Dominion book yeah um, which uh, I remember I said uh, and Glenn is doing this book on it which is going to be sort of a layman's version of um, Tom Holland and someone said in the comments Tom Holland is the layman's version oh and I was like well I'm clearly Yes. Not clever enough to understand even yeah. the layman, but I've got Scrivener, yes. so thank goodness. Well, so. no, but it, yeah, it's great. And and uh, in, in the conversations I was having in uh, Norwich over the weekend, there were so many people where I thought, actually, I just, I really want you to go and 
get hold of a copy of yeah, the yeah. book. I'm really excited for so, it. I think it's going to yeah. be really good. It's going to be fun. Um, well up for it. Um, so just last week we were talking about um, Vladimir Putin yep. and uh, the conflict with Russia and Ukraine. And we were looking, thinking a bit about what are his motivations? Is he just a madman or is there something more behind it? Is, he, is, there, is there some kind of spiritual element? Yep. And we looked at a bit of that. If you haven't seen that one, you can nip back to last week's uh, speakeasy on the YouTube channel. Um, we just thought we'd pick up a comment from last week mm. that came underneath the video. Uh, Michael Stapleton said, Bear in mind the 2018 schism in the Eastern Orthodox Church when the Patriarch in Constantinople signalled his intent to split the Ukrainian Orthodox Church from the Moscow Patriarchate. The latter broke communion from Constantinople. So Russian national identity may play into it. Though Putin surely knows that annexing Ukraine cannot resolve the church schism, his quotation of Jesus would nonetheless resonate with the significant percentage of Christian people in Ukraine and Russia who are by far Eastern Orthodox. Mm. So we thought that was quite useful there. Just a helpful little comment there. And I think when we were thinking about this last week, I don't think we mentioned it, but there we had seen that there was this schism that had occurred mm. between the kind of Ukrainian wing yeah. i suppose of the orthodox eastern orthodox church um mm. but yeah i mean interesting that michael says nonetheless the quotation of jesus would resonate with people yeah. so putin knows regardless of where yeah. he i suppose he stands himself he knows that this is a kind of yeah almost like a vote winner in some ways because we said it was like a rally you yeah know, oh, he's on the campaign yeah. trail yeah. out there so you say the right things to g people up and get them on your yeah. side and and we can see he's, he's doing that not just with a you know with a, a a Russian or a Ukrainian audience in mind, but in, with a Western audience in mind as well, with some of the other comments he's kind of making about um, Western cultural values and and what Western cultural decadence, and yeah, you can you can totally see that um, you know it, the phrase what is it four D chess that people always kind of kind of say oh is this four D chess or is someone just kind of bumbling through Putin does seem like he's quite conscious of playing a kind of media game mm. um, and perhaps even more so since he's sort of seen the way in which um, you know Vladimir Zelensky has been able to to do uh, to put out you know the the story and the and and the uh, the desire for um, support from the nations mm. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, like I say, if you're interested in that, do go um, back to last week's video and have a look. Um, and I think Thomas is going to let us know about some of the things people, you guys have been saying down in the uh, comment section. Hello. Oh. There he is. Just, uh, put the visual up there. Yeah, so we've been uh, having a few interesting comments coming in. So Christoph Keating in France. Do you know how to say that, Paul? Uh, no, I've never done any French in my life, actually. Oh, Jack's come comes at any <laughs> Le Fay de Mers. I don't know. Just yeah, we'll go with sounds that. Sounds like the, the, the <laughs> Fay of, fate. Oh, fate. Fate. Do we say? It, I suppose is yeah. it just fate? Like the way we yeah. would say fate? Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. So, <laughs> whatever that is, is the last Sunday of May, unless that day is Pentecost, in which case it's the first Sunday of June. The celebration is officially from the Ministry of Health. So, kind of this idea of people introducing festivals oh, to right, the calendar. Oh, yeah. right, And all the, you know, International Pet Day or something, you know, that sort of stuff, yeah. <laughs> you can put anything in now. Have we, uh, just to check, have we got sound? 
because someone's just said, is it me or did the sound just cut? Oh. Let us know other people. Oh, no, it was just him. We're all good. Oh, good. <laughs> um, good to check. It's all good, people. <laughs> this one from Phil Moore. It's definitely a challenge to make the most of the gospel opportunity to engage folks who cu- who, in some context will stum- still come to church on mm. Mothering Sunday. Mm. Any thoughts on how to do this well? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we we maybe began to touch on that by thinking what could Mothering Sunday look like? But he's absolutely right that there are people who turn up at church. I mean, we drove in yesterday and we've got two kind of car parks. One's right behind the church. And I turned into one behind the church and Becca was just like, you won't be able to park in here because it's going to be full of just people who've come to church on Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you do still get lots of people who turn up just because. You said Mothering Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think the fact that people... You know, that still has a cultural cachet or still has a kind of attractional value for people. Like, you do want to make the opportunity for that. And in a way, I suppose, embracing, you know, embracing some of the weird. Yeah. Which we've been very reluctant to do in 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 our you know again well intentioned desire to be be seen as relevant and, and normal people right we obviously want to be that but there is all this rich like theology behind some some of these ideas that I think people would be mu- really interested in and it it sort of says that we aren't. We we don't just think of life as being a set of of kind of horizontal relationships between mm. people. We actually see life as part of this of, of this you know properly heaven and earth and like and that, that and that church is is kind of given as as the meeting place for for heaven and earth since Christ has has ascended. Um, I mean, obviously, that's out of line liturgically, but history of redemption-wise, he has ascended. And so the church as the place in which people can um, discover, you know, the things of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and that people might have more of a desire to go or more of a... Um, uh, more of a reason to go if if church is genuinely giving them something they they can't, can't get, get elsewhere somewhere else yeah for for kind of you know yeah absolutely i mean i think it as we talked about that what mothering sunday was it would be tempting to say kind of oh but it all sounds it might be a bit much for mother's day mm-hmm. you know like having people come they're not expecting that you know yeah. it might be a bit weird but i think yeah. it is you know it is leaning into the weirds yeah. because yeah. you know the virgin birth is pretty weird yeah. resurrection is yeah, pretty yeah. weird yeah. um and like you say <laughs> if it, we've got to have something distinctive yeah, to yeah, say that yeah, they can't get anywhere yeah. else yeah. so I think and, probably and, lean into and it maybe especially when the c- culture is losing its ability to define quite simple terms to be able to say we don't just have like you know a, a, a line of attack in a culture war but we've actually got some some profound foundations for the way in which we're thinking about these things mm. which which mean that you're you're finding a community of people that is that is more properly grounded 
in a you know and that again is significant part of, of glenn's book is to say that people have all these kind of viewpoints and hold these values to be kind of self-evident but we want to show them look how these cultural um perspectives or these these cultural ideas have have a history have a have a significance and and are interlinked into a, a coherent mm-hmm. understanding of the world um but, yeah you know it's ex- exactly how you do that on in your you know mothering sunday service um i think I think just lean into some of the history of it and and share those things that people wouldn't know, you know, um, um, wouldn't be aware of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, good, good. Any other bits, Thomas? Or? Yes, we just had another comment from C. Hollett. Mother's Day being celebrated on Mothering Sunday was a really cunning bit of cross-marketing that kept the old tradition a thing and the upstart Hallmark holiday to have an air of legitimacy, (laughs) which was quite an interesting point. Mm, And then we also had lots of love for the Simnel cake, Christoph Keating, make Simnel cake great again. (laughs) Or barring that, make Simnel cake again. Again. So (laughs) Make great Simnel cake again. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I'm up for that. Yeah, up for cake. But well, we I think, think that's everything. So yep. thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed what well, Christoph Keating said about you know there's weight and density to these ideas. And I think <laughs> I thought you were talking about cake. The cake, again, yeah. Right? If you've got a weighty and dense cake, it's probably not as good. You know, you want it to be light. But let's so let's make. Well, do you? I don't know. It's simnel cake. Sounds let's, like it's, let's have some yeah. weighty and dense theology on Mothering Sunday yeah. with some light and fluffy cake rather than the other way round. Let's do that, shall we? And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to move on on that bombshell. Very good. Um, So uh, one of the things we've been doing over the last uh, few weeks of Lent is we've been looking at a bit of the Apostles' Creed each week. And uh, we're going to have a look at another section now. Um, I'll read out what we've done so far because I know not everybody is um, kind of hugely familiar with it. Um, So the Apostles' Creed begins, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's where we got up to mm-hmm. as of last week, and then we're going to continue today with this section, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Mm-hmm. So, what do we think about that then? Yeah, well, I suppose as we've thought it through in terms of you know what um, kind of percentage of the creed is given to uh, the person of God the Father, what percentage of the creed is given to the person of God the Son, and then this single line which seems to be given to God the Holy Spirit, um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and if we're we're thinking oh well we ought to be trinitarian shouldn't we shouldn't a creed give kind of equal you know waiting to yeah yeah line length to um to each person of the trinity i think you here you're seeing why um it's important that we our focus is on is on christ because that's both 
um, the he is both the image of God the Father, he's the access point to God the Father, but also he is only visible to us. Revelation comes of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so it's through the Holy Spirit that we have the scriptures which testify to Christ. It is through the Holy Spirit that Christ is um, is conceived in the Virgin Mary. Uh, it's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus carries out his ministry. And it is by the Holy Spirit that Christ is both raised from the dead and ascended on high and then offers himself unblemished to God. So the Spirit is running all the way through this. Like he's, he is an, an absolute uh, essential person with the um uh with the action of the gospel but he he's showing us jesus that's what he loves to do Mm. and um he loves you know to as the father communicates uh, his love to the son in the baptism the spirit just is kind of descending on him like a dove um similarly um as, yeah, similarly, 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 just can't. can't something about cake. Sunday on my brain, <laughs> but yeah. So, so, and and so, the Holy Spirit who who opens our eyes to you know to see the truth, um, and yeah, the one the the breath of God on whom is carried the word of God um, is just such a but. But I think it was it might have been uh, John Stott who referred to him as the kind of shy member mm. of the, the 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 Trinity. I, I and and the idea of him being like um, the sort of f- footlights that light up, you know, a, a mm. great building or or on a stage or something. Um, he's illuminating, mm. um, and he's you know kind of doing the work. So. Yeah, and, but in a way, we you the the creed doesn't doesn't expand on that. It doesn't include those those bit. But in in a way, if you were concerned, oh, is the Holy Spirit getting sufficient airtime in in the creed? You'd say, well, the reason why is because you you couldn't have the rest of the stuff without him. Without, yeah, without him. In that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I suppose because. The creed doesn't really elaborate on his work in that sense. You you do have to sort of extract it from what has gone before. Mm. Um, but yeah, hmm. great. Okay, and any um, particular thoughts on the Holy Catholic Church? I mean, some people substitute Universal Church, don't they? Yeah, and the yeah, communion, yeah. and then the communion yeah. of saints. Yeah, uh, um, you, yeah, and just that that sense of the the Catholicity of the Church, of the the unity of the Church. Um, and obviously we've talked already, but you know the church as as our mother that we are, mm. you know, we are yes individually part of our local congregations and, and we're part of that. But it, if problems come, if we lose sight of the church universal and the the, the church um, mm. as this greater body of believers, rather than just being, you know. Um, us four, no more, and shut the door. Yeah, I mean um, that's kind of what struck me in the the second chunk we looked at. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I think I said at the time. That yeah, yeah. Obviously, you're saying I believe, yeah. but we're saying it together, our mm. Lord. And maybe you would, th- and often we do it in church, mm. the local church. Yeah. But of course, 
we're saying it not just yeah. with the people we're in the room with, mm-hmm. we're saying it with everybody, every Christian across the world yeah. is yeah. saying these same things. Um, and we're saying we are linked together as part mm-hmm. of this family. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose also throughout history. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the church kind of yeah. through the ages have believed these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think uh, and, in our individualistic society, I think it pushes back. Yeah. So. And and the sense of um, of that that comes through with the, the communion of the saints, mm. um, which is that it it isn't enough for us to come and think, well, I'm going to go, you know, and and think very individualistically about our, our involvement with with church, but to think that it's and the other people in the church are not the are not necessarily the problem. Um, that we are come, you know, or that we're trying to kind of get rid of the distractions of the other people, so that I, as an individual worshiper, right. uh, yeah, can yeah. have this kind of personal experience. It's that you know we are, as you say, gathered in together into the universal church, the Catholic Church, that um, that we are called into, um, and that and that the creed is kind of providing us with that that dimension of 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 christian faith after having shown us the father the son the spirit you know mm. that the church is included in this too mm. um and i want you know yeah if you were to individually include the names of you know people in your you know house group or home group or growth group or whatever they, they'd be called for you but if you were to in, like they're included in the creed mm. like you're included when I'm saying the creed um, and that you know we've got communion man you know <laughs> fellowship cool uh, yeah great good oh, well I've enjoyed today mm. it's been a good chat well, that's not enough Simnel cake more, we need more cake generally I think um, after this I should go and have a nice slice oh, of Simnel cake yes. if I could find some so uh, cup of tea cu- oh, definitely a cup of tea uh, guys I hope you've enjoyed tonight I hope you found it um, uh, interesting I'm sure I'm sure there are bits in there people didn't know because I certainly didn't know mm. before this morning um, do keep chatting away in the comments let us know uh, your thoughts on bits and bobs if you've got good recipes for Simnel cake send them in and we will try them out uh, be a new segment each week we try a bit of similar cake um yeah and i uh, hope you found all the bits about the creed encouraging we'll be looking at the next bit uh, uh next week and that's the final section i think i think so and is glenn back next week uh yes yes so might they be, get back from the world on saturday might be three of us next week well there we go thank you so much for listening to this episode of the speak life podcast we really enjoy having your company. I mean, I don't know who you are listening to this, but there's something nice about podcasts, isn't there? The illusion that I'm actually talking to you as an individual. We do like to hear from our listeners from time to time. You can contact us at info at speaklife.org.uk. That's an email address, by the way. So you can email us and I'm going to draw your attention again to the Speak Life Foundry which is our our training program it happens it's a 10-month program that happens in Eastbourne on the south coast the Sunshine Coast as it's 
sometimes known. And you can come down here or or up here, depending on where where you're coming from, although referring to north as up is, is controversial. You can come here, wherever you live, wherever you're from in the world, you can join us for 10 months and do theology and creative things and see how those things mesh together. It's a great opportunity. I did it last year, really enjoyed it. It was very formative. So we'd love to have you with us, whether you're female or male, whether you have much experience in creative things or you're just getting started, wherever you're from, you're most welcome to check it out. So go to speaklifefoundry.com to find out more and to apply. Well, that's it from me. See you next week on the Speak Life podcast. God bless. Goodbye. Goodbye.